I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, years ago, Google buses symbolized tensions between big tech and San Francisco residents. These days, it's driverless cars. You've probably seen them, and perhaps you've even taken a ride in one. People pull out their smartphones when they pass to take videos of what seems like a sci-fi movie come to life. Self-driving cars maneuvering around the city with no one at the wheel. But sometimes, that attention backfires. Like when one stalls in the middle of North Beach's Grant Avenue during a busy night out. Thank you, tech. Thank you, tech. Thank you, big tech. Only in San Francisco. No driver. Or when a driverless car partially blocks emergency vehicle access after a mass shooting in the Mission District. Blocking emergency medical and fire. I gotta get it out of here now. And just this past weekend, in the middle of downtown traffic, jammed because of the Pride Parade and a Giants game, a driverless car didn't know how to navigate around blocked streets. Bumper-to-bumper traffic in the hours after San Francisco's Pride Parade. But look closely. That is a Waymo self-driving car stalled out in the intersection of 3rd and Howard on Sunday around 3 p.m. The two companies now operating the cars on San Francisco's streets, that's Waymo, which is owned by Google parent Alphabet, and Cruise, a subsidiary of General Motors, say these are mere bumps on the road of innovation. They see a future where you don't need your own car because you can simply summon one. San Francisco-based Waymo recently announced a partnership with Uber to expand its app-based ride-hailing services, signaling what the future may soon look like for the city. Waymo is taking what was once futuristic sci-fi and making it non-fiction. And you realize the dream of riding in a fully autonomous vehicle to your favorite dinner spot isn't just a vision of the future. It's actually happening right now. But this revolution is getting some pushback. At a state hearing this week, California regulators are expected to allow Waymo and Cruise to offer 24 hours a day paid robo-taxi service throughout San Francisco. Yet city officials oppose the move. They point to problems with the cars that include getting in the way of first responders at emergency scenes. They want more information, and they want strict performance benchmarks. My guest is Chronicle columnist Emily Hoven, who's not only been following the fight, but recently took a taxi ride with no driver to see what the fuss is all about. Emily, thanks for joining Fifth Admission. Thanks so much for having me. Emily, you recently took a ride in one of the self-driving cars in San Francisco. I think this was a Waymo vehicle, one of the Jaguars. What was that like? The entire experience was honestly very surreal for me. Like I kind of couldn't stop thinking about how crazy it was to be in a car where there's no one in the driver's seat. I think it's going to take a while for people to get used to that. And the the craziest... Wait, Emily, just tell us what what happens. Like, does it pick you up? Like, start start from the beginning. So I was riding in it with a beta tester because when I wrote it, it's it was only open to certain people that had been authorized to kind of test it out. But basically, it was picked us up near an office and it actually a double parked, which was not, not a great start, I'm not going to lie. You get in... There's this very soothing music, like you're going into a sauna or something, and there's like this feminine voice that's, you know, saying, welcome in or something like that. And basically, you just tell it where you want it to take you. And, you know, you buckle your seatbelt. If you don't do that, it freaks out and it just starts driving. So how was the drive? Overall, it was a lot better than I expected. I had honestly been pretty nervous. And no, I mean, honestly, it was smoother than riding with a human driver. And actually to compare and contrast it, I took 
a ride with the Lyft driver before and after I did the Waymo. And I definitely noticed the difference. Like the Waymo is very smooth. It's consistent. It goes at the speed limit. You know, it stops fully at stop signs. It always makes it signal indications before it makes a turn. And the other drivers that I was with, I mean, they were fine drivers, but, you know, they're speeding up, they're slowing down, they're stopping more abruptly. They're not always using their turn signal when they're changing lanes or turning corners. And it just felt a bit more hectic and unexpected. That being said, like, you know, there are things about the car that are not perfect. It will sometimes randomly stop pretty abruptly. And I don't really know why. I mean, one time it was at a stoplight, but it didn't need to stop as hard as it did several times. The windshield wipers just randomly turned themselves on. It was not even close to raining. It was a sunny day. And the insane thing about that was that whenever the windshield wipers turned on in the car, directly facing it was another Waymo vehicle. So the beta tester and I were like speculating that it was as if it was a bus driver waving to another bus driver, except because it would only do that when it saw another Waymo vehicle. But that's an unproven theory, but I just had to tell it to you. (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) That is funny. Okay. Any major problems that you wouldn't have expected to see with a human driver? I mean, were there any dangerous situations? No, I mean, I do think overall it felt safer. And I, you know, that's the thing that was weird is it, it did go down roads that I myself would have been nervous to drive on as a driver. But it navigated really narrow streets very well. It navigated it well when cars were, you know, coming in and out of driveways, kind of trying to back into parallel park. There was a confusing moment when we were in a narrow road and we were going up a hill and there was a car going in the opposite direction. And you can't both go at the same time. So that driver stopped and actually waved for the Waymo to advance. But obviously the Waymo can't understand, you know, a hand signal like that. So then there's just like this awkward pause where we weren't moving and the driver was just staring at us, realizing there was no one driving the car. So then finally he just like went past. And I think that is one of the next steps that the car is going to have to learn is it's going to have to learn how to respond to traffic control, people signaling to it in the street. Those are some capabilities that it doesn't currently have and that you see a lot in San Francisco. You're saying chivalry. The car needs some chivalry. (laughs) It needs to have better. It needs to have a little bit better manners. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say like, it's very perceptive. I mean, there were a couple of times it stopped and I didn't realize why. And then I saw that there was a person stepping off of the curb, like out of the corner of my eye. And it had done that, you know, to allow the passenger to to pass. So, I mean, it kind of did put me to shame because I'm like, dang, like these are roads that I don't really like driving on and it's completely carefree just doing this. And I do like that consistency because I think one of the issues is when you take a taxi, when you take an Uber, take a Lyft, you never know how the driver is going to be. And I've had taxi drivers, I would say, especially in New York, where you are genuinely fearing for your life. Why are we talking about the future of self-driving cars on San Francisco streets right now? We are talking about it because actually on Thursday, the California Public Utilities Commission, which is a state regulatory agency, they are going to vote on whether to allow Waymo and Cruise, which are the two autonomous vehicle companies, to become 24-7 paid robo-taxi services in, in San Francisco to allow them to, you know, pick up passengers, drop them off, collect a fare, the same way you would with a Lyft or an Uber or a taxi, but there's just no, there's no driver in, in the front seat. This is a pretty big 
step because in California, this, you know, this hasn't really happened before this level of permission. It's been piloted in some other areas like Phoenix, Arizona. But, you know, Waymo's and Cruises, they have been going around San Francisco, but they've had restrictions. Either they can't charge passengers or they can only operate in certain parts of the city and at certain times of day. So this is a pretty massive expansion because it would essentially allow them to do, you know, drive anywhere in SF any time of day or night and collect a fee for doing so. So Emily, this decision that you say the state PUC needs to make, this is just for San Francisco and and how unique is it? Yeah, it's just for San Francisco. You know, San Francisco is kind of going to be, I think, the make or break model for the rest of California. It's also, I think, one of the most complex regions of the state to drive in, especially in the inner urban environment. And so, you know, whether it can work in some place like LA, which has its own challenges, I think this will be a pretty good indication. We have a pretty good idea that that they are going to approve it because they have actually published draft resolutions that say that they are. And so essentially the only thing they have to do on Thursday is, is vote to approve. The San Francisco Police Union and I believe the fire department as well has been asking the PUC to delay the vote because they have concerns. But as of now, it looks like we're full steam ahead for Thursday. All right. I want to ask you about San Francisco's concerns about uh, expansion of these self-driving cars. But first, let's take a quick break on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back with Emily Hoven. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bullwood, joined by Chronicle columnist Emily Hoven. We're talking about self-driving cars in San Francisco Emily, the state is going to make this big decision, the PUC, this week, as you said. San Francisco is not totally on board with this. What's going on? Yeah, I I mean, I would say almost unanimously they're not on board with this. And it's kind of a rare situation where you're having a lot of city officials line up on the same side of an issue. But I think the, the basic takeaway from what they're saying is that these cars have a great promise and they will likely be safer than human drivers, but they are not ready for prime time in the way that the state is poised to allow them to be. A lot of this comes down to just the lack of data surrounding these cars and their incidents. As it stands, Waymo and Cruise are required to report certain types of information to the state, like including collisions and fatal situations. There haven't been any fatal situations in San Francisco, but a lot of the other information they can redact. And so we have a lot of city officials kind of keeping their own tallies based on things that they've culled out of 911 reports, things that they've encountered in their own capacities. And so there have been a lot of different examples, but I mean, some of the more notorious ones, I mean, just this just recently when there was the the mass shooting in the Mission District, there was an autonomous vehicle, a cruise car that got stalled in one of the lanes and all of the emergency responders had to use the other lane and go around it, which was just kind of annoying for them. There was a car that hit and killed a dog. There were other cars that have rear-ended a muni bus. There were some that entered active police crime scenes and active firefighting scenes at one point to get the car to stop. A firefighter had to actually break the window of the car to like cause it to have some sort of emergency re- response. At another time, it entered a utility s- site and was about to go down into a trench where there was utility workers, you know, working in the trench. 
And so these situations, I mean, obviously the worst was avoided every time, but for a lot of public transit officials and emergency responders, they have a lot of concerns. I think the expectation was that just pure safety concerns, right? Is one of these cars going to hit a pedestrian? But it's turned out to be a lot about entering like an emergency scene, blocking an ambulance. As you said, uh, there's that situation where the the car came and an officer put a, a flare down in front of it to make sure it didn't keep going into the scene. Yeah, it's been very interesting to read about and see because I think there's all these subtleties of human interaction that you realize that you encounter on a daily basis, right? Where you have like a traffic controller in the road or randomly there's going to be a truck racing by with a certain siren or there's going to be crime scene do not enter tape. I mean, a car, it doesn't know how to read that, you know? And so those are situations that I think we're going to see these companies work harder to address. But when it comes to following safety rules, basically when you're learning how to drive, all those things that you have to do in the DMV test, it knows that. But it's the subtleties of those random situations that it's still figuring out how to respond to. Do we know if these cars are more or less safe relative to human drivers? I would say that based on the available data we have and with the caveat that there is a lot of data we don't know or have because the companies are withholding it for various reasons, that humans are much more dangerous. As I said, there have been no fatalities by Waymo or cruise cars in San Francisco, and I believe not even any injuries either, reported injuries. But actually last year, San Francisco had 39 traffic-related deaths, which was the most in about 10 years. And nationwide, 43,000 people died, which is a staggering number. And, you know, I think there are a lot of folks that just kind of accept the inevitability of people are going to die in car crashes. There's road rage, there's people who are drunk driving, people that are, you know, looking at their phones and driving. So there's all those types of situations. And the proponents of the autonomous vehicle say, obviously, that none of those things can ever happen when you're in a, in a robo taxi. What about traffic, which is also notorious in San Francisco? Are these cars going to help or hurt? Well, it definitely depends on who you ask. I mean, there are people that think these cars drive like grandmas, you know, and they're kind of causing congestion in that way. Also, you know, transportation officials, I was talking to Jeffrey Tumlin, who heads the SFMTA. He was basically saying that when you think about it, you know, a car is the least efficient use of space on a city road than, you know, walking or biking or taking a bus. And so if you have more cars on the road, it doesn't matter if they're safer, it's still more cars. And by that same token, as I mentioned, they do tend to double park. And that does tend to create some some problems on, on the city streets. But then there are people that are kind of, you know, proponents of this. And they say that if you have enough of these AVs, eventually you aren't going to even need other personal cars at all. And you aren't going to need parking lots. And you can just basically hop in a car and then go to where you need to go. And it's an electric vehicle and it's safe and you have no reason to have your own car anymore. And so my kind of take on this is that, yes, it might in the short term increase traffic a little. But I think that as they do become more and more prominent that that's going to not be as big of an issue. But I don't think they're going to just be this like savior of San Francisco. I mean, you know, it's a car like we're, we're reinventing kind of the same things that we have already invented. Gotcha. I do want to get back to your ride in the Waymo. So overall, the experience, I mean, were you were you kind of worried? Were you watching out the window? Were people watching you? Like, what was that like? 
when I got in the car, I was very nervous. And I was literally thinking, like, what if I'm the first person to die in San Francisco in an AV, you know? Would have been a great story. I wouldn't have been the one to write it, sadly. But yes. So I had that fear. And, you know, it is a bit disconcerting, as I said, when suddenly it comes up to a stop sign and you feel it stopping, but you can't see anything. So I was watching like a hawk, you know, and I was staring at the steering wheel. I was staring at the things up ahead, looking out for possible obstacles that I would I was afraid we were going to encounter. But it was actually very fascinating. I mean, I kind of felt like a like a minor celebrity because wherever we went, people were photographing us. I mean, like I said, there were literally other drivers who, as they're driving, are taking out their phone, taking video, taking pictures. There was kids on the street who were like pulling at their parents' arms and pointing in our direction. And obviously it had nothing to do with us, but it's that it's that strangeness of you see a car going down the road with no one driving it. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And I think there is that awe factor. I mean, even I was like kind of awestruck the whole time. I'm like, that's insane that we have got technology to this point where this can happen. And if I feel safe in it, like that's crazy. Did you feel like you were maybe with a few more rides, did you feel like you would have just sat back and not paid attention to the road? I do think... So, especially if I have other people in the car with me, because so the, the beta tester and I were as the, the farther along it went, the more we were like talking and laughing and like paying less attention to the road and more just like having a conversation. But I do think that if I was in there by myself, just like riding in it, I would be a lot more nervous. And I don't think I quite yet have that faith where I would just, you know, lay down in the back of the car and go to sleep. Although the beta tester said that he would totally do that and let the car drive him from San Francisco to LA. And I'm like, I'm not quite at that point, but I will be honest, even some human drivers, I'm not at that point with, you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not closing my eyes. So I do think the, as people ride it and they experience it and they see that the worst that they fear is not coming to pass, that confidence is gonna grow. Emily Hoven, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Damien. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle columnist Emily Hoven. Thanks to Gary Baca for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>